Hi, this is Pastor Nelson Mercado. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast from the Nashville First Seventh-day Adventist Church. I hope you are blessed by today's message. Not in his worst nightmares could he have ever envisioned that he would end up here. If he could go back in time and make different decisions, he would make it in, in a second. His parents turned their backs on him. His friends did not want to have anything to do with him. And how could he blame him? All he saw was disgust when he looked himself in the mirror. He knew what was in everybody's mind as they passed by by him sitting at his post. Sell out. In fact, they had a a special classification for guys like him. He wasn't even worthy to be thrown in with all other sinners. No, there there was a special word. Uh, Guys like this one were one step worse. Tax collectors. One day, Matthew was sitting at his post. A crowd of people surrounded a a, a teacher just, just a few feet away. And he asked those that were close who he was, and they told him it was Jesus of Nazareth, a man that he heard about but he'd never seen. Matthew leaned in to try to hear what the teacher was saying, and suddenly a group of men interrupted Jesus mid-sentence and brought before him a paralyzed man right to his feet. And instead of being annoyed, Jesus looked to the man and said, your sins are forgiven. Matthew was so shocked by the simple words that that he instinctively laughed out loud and everybody looked over to him with an irritated glare. Jesus also looked at him and Matthew sort of slumped into his chair. Then Jesus turns to the paralyzed man and says, just to show you that that I have the power to forgive sins, get up and walk. Suddenly the man just stood there and, and the whole crowd was amazed. Matthew was also shocked. But then Matthew looked up and saw that Jesus was walking right toward him. It seemed like, like the teacher was looking right at him. He looked behind it to see if there was somebody else. But no, it was right at him. And Jesus stopped at his table and, and, and sort of leaned in and whispered, follow me. Matthew knew hardly anything about Jesus. He didn't know who he was or, or, or where he was going or why he was here. Nevertheless, he immediately stood up and left his post of tax collecting behind. Deep inside, he knew that this decision would change his life forever. Let's pray together. Father, this morning, we're thankful for the time that we have spent so far in worshiping you. But now we want to hear a word from you. We pray that you will speak to us through your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, we're going to start a new series in preparation for our evangelistic meetings and our Discovering Revelation seminar. Now, of course, we were working on the Present Truth series. And we ended last Sabbath with uh, the last part of the second angel's message. So we've, we've talked about the first angel. We've talked about the second angel. So we only have the third angel's message, three last presentations. So we're going to pause that, and we're going to take that up probably sometime in the summer. 
But as we prepared for our Discovering Revelation, I want to share a series with you. And the series itself is titled Made for Mission. Made for what? Mission. Made for Mission. And each, and each uh, Sabbath is a subtitle. Today, the subtitle is We're All Called. We are all called. You know, one of the things that I have learned you know, about myself in, in, in speaking to people is that people are seeking for purpose in their lives. Are you seeking for purpose in your life? Yeah. I've learned that, so, that some people would um, work for a lot less if they really believe in what they were doing. Yeah, maybe, maybe you're stuck in a job that, that, that you don't care much about. Yeah, but, you, but you're there because, well, you're making, you're making good money. But some people, again, are, are willing to make less money if they thought that what they were doing was good, if it was important, if it was something valuable, they would do it for a lot less. Meaning... Uh, uh, Stanford University recently uh, did a study to find out if people truly desired happiness or meaning. Happiness or meaning. Now, what they found out is that people are searching for both, but meaning was higher on the, uh, on the survey. People are looking for meaning in their lives. They want to know that their lives mean something that can, that can leave some kind of legacy. Well, friends, let me tell you today that your life has meaning. You know why you have mean, uh, your life has meaning? Because you were made for mission. You were made for mission. Let's open our Bibles to our scripture reading, the Gospel of Matthew chapter 9 and verse 9. Matthew chapter 9 and verse 9. This uh, passage has some incredible significance for our lives today. Matthew chapter 9 and verse 9. The Bible says, as Jesus went out from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. So I want you to notice here, friends, that that the God of the universe, the God who created heaven and earth, the God who just spoke things and it was done, the God that the Bible says there's nothing impossible for him, approached Matthew of all people. I understand that, 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 that in, in Jesus' time, tax collectors in that culture were the worst of the worst. These guys were the scum of the universe. They were criminals. Now, some things have, have not changed much. I've told you that I used to work for the IRS, and I've sort of experienced that. People, you know, would, would, would avoid, when I told them I worked for the IRS, they, you'd think that I had the plague or something. But, but back in Jesus' time, uh, the, the tax collectors were Jews who sold out their own people in order to become wealthy. People hated them. Now, I, I want you to think about this. If, if you could go back in time and freeze that scene, freeze that scene, and, 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 and then pick out of the hundreds of people that were there, who would be the last person that Jesus would choose to, to, to help him expand his kingdom? The last person would have been Matthew. If you, if you have something worthy to do, I mean, think about it. If I want something great in the church and, and I need some help, and I know a guy like Matthew, who's considered a criminal, who's considered a sellout, who's considered a traitor, who has a bad reputation, I, I would think about it twice. And, and truly, of course, Ma- uh, Jesus knew the heart of Matthew, but still, Jesus had an important work to accomplish. And he knew the baggage that this man brought. <laughs> 
And yet he calls Matthew and says, follow me. See, because you think that there are things in your life that, that somehow make, make it impossible for God to want to use a person like you. But let me tell you, if God could call a person like Matthew, he certainly can call you. And he has called you, and he has called me into mission. He has called us into mission. Now, if Matthew is called, again, you are called to mission. Let me share with you a, a statement from a, a pastor. His name is J.D. Greer. Now, he's not a Seventh-day Adventist. But you would think that he is very versed in the writings of Mrs. White because Mrs. White says almost verbatim what he, what he states here. Notice what he says. There's a widespread myth in the church that calling into ministry is a secondary experience that happens only to a few Christians. Hmm? Christians today, many Christians, maybe some of you here today, believe that, that the calling is the ministry is only for a few people. Well, it's for us a pastor. That's what they pay him for. He certainly is calling to ministry. Maybe our music minister. He is our music minister. He's certainly calling to ministry. But perhaps some of the elders, but me, not. It's only for a, a, a selected few. Not everybody is in ministry. Only a selected few. Their job is to do the ministry. So that's how they know. You know, pastor's job is to do the ministry. Terrence's, yeah, yeah, the elders, yeah, their job is to do the ministry. My job is to just show up and foot the bill. Hmm? Some of you think that right now. Because I'm not calling the ministry. The pastor's calling the ministry. They, they are up front doing their thing. My job is to listen and sit down and look at the show. And as long as I get here by 11 o'clock, I'm good. That's my job. He says, few lies cripple the mission more than that one. Few lies cripple the mission more than that one. You know, have you ever thought about, because I have, and, I, and I've heard some, some of you say this, when you look at the Bible, especially in the book of Acts, when you see the wonderful things that happened in the book of Acts, that Paul had the audacity to say 30 years later that he had proclaimed the gospel in the then known world. The church was growing by leaps and bounds. Things were happening. You hear about evangelistic campaigns that are held in places in Africa. These are different places that the word of God is proclaiming hundreds if not thousands of people give their lives to Jesus. And what's happening here? Have you thought about that? Do you wonder why? Now, now we could say, and, and, and accurately so, that uh, number one, we probably need the Holy Spirit. We do need the Holy Spirit. We need to ask for the Holy Spirit in our lives. We need to ask for the Holy Spirit in the life of the church. We need to be praying. We need to stay connected with Jesus. But friends, could it be that one of the reasons why things are not happening is because somehow we think that ministry is for those who stand up here and it's not your job? Each believer, he says, is called to leverage his or her life for the spread of the gospel. The question is no longer whether we are called, only where and how. And again, he's an Adventist, and Mrs. White says almost verbatim the same thing. Almost verbatim. You are called by God. He has chosen you to be an active part in his mission. 
And since you've been called, there may be some questions that you need to ask yourself. And I think we, we sort of talked a little bit about that. I was listening in into the Sabbath school lesson. Say you are in, in the business world. So you're in the business world. You can ask yourself, why did God call you? Why did God make you good at business? Was it just to fill up your, your, your pockets with money and to live large and, and to put money aside so the last 20 years of your life you can live on, on paradise and a vacation somewhere? Hmm? He gave you talents so that you could bless others. He gave you talents so that you can expand his kingdom. He gave you talents so that you could join him in his mission. Say you were a stay-at-home mom. What role, you can ask yourself, what role do I play in the advancement of the mission as I raise my kids? And you know, you can ask that question in any line of work that you are. You can ask that question if you're unemployed. You can ask that question if, if you're a student. It doesn't matter. What can I do where I am to expand the mission of God? What can I do to be in mission with Him? What if you started to see your job as an actual calling from God? You know, life can be monotonous at times. So, so, so you get up in the morning, and you maybe take a shower, you get dressed, you have some breakfast. If you have kids, you, you, you help the kids get to school, and you head out to work, and you work 8, 10, 12 hours, whatever the case may be, and you come back home, and you're exhausted, you're tired. Maybe you sit down and have a bite to eat, watch a little TV, go to bed, and you do the same thing again the next day and the next day and the next day. Life can be monotonous. But what if you began to see your life as you were made for mission? Imagine waking up and expecting what is God going to do through you that day. And you prepare yourself, first of all, of course. You prepare yourself by praying, by spending time with Jesus, by, by studying of his word. And then you get yourself going. If you have kids, you prepare the kids to, to go to school. You, 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 and lastly, as you, as you go to work yourself, you, you, you go to work with your eyes open looking for opportunities to join God in his mission. Wouldn't be that monotonous, because God would have something different from you every day. Now look at the invitation that Jesus made to Matthew. Jesus didn't say, "Get in line." Jesus didn't say, "Do what I'm doing." He said, "Follow me. Follow me." Yeah. Jesus' invitation is first and foremost to a relationship with Him. Y'all didn't get that. Jesus' invitation was first and foremost to an intimate, surrendered relationship with him. Because that's what Jesus wants. The relationship was not a byproduct of doing ministry together. No, the relationship itself was the assignment. That was the assignment. The ministry came because they were spending time together. See, the Christian life is not about, you know, doing stuff for, for, for God. It's about being with him. And when you are with him, when you're spending time with him, you become transformed to what, what, to what you are beholding. The, the, the ministry comes afterwards. But he's calling you today. He's saying the same thing to you today. Follow me because I want to have a relationship with you. Do you want to have a relationship with him? He called Matthew. Follow me to that relationship. Now, from Matthew's point of view, he, he was obviously shocked by Jesus approaching him. But I, I want you to 
notice the remarkable response of Matthew. He immediately gets up and follows him. Now, why would he do that? Think about it. Well, Matthew had a great job. Yeah, you could argue, yeah, he, he was a criminal. He was stealing from his own people. But it was an easy job. 90% of Israel was living under the poverty line in those days, but not Matthew. He was sitting there. All he had to do was wait for people to bring him the money, and, and, and then he would get his cut. Simple job. And, and besides this, think about it. The, the, the invitation of Jesus is kind of vague. It's kind of vague. He just says, follow me. Matthew doesn't ask, where are we going? Or what are we going to do? No, he simply gets up and follows. Now, if you look at the, at, at the verse there, verse 9, the first part, it says, as Jesus went on from there, as he was going from there. Now, this is significant because, you know, Matthew is the one who writes this. It is Matthew who's writing this gospel. So what did Matthew see as, he was go- as Jesus was going from there? What is it that Matthew saw? Well, I alluded to it in, in, in the illustration. He saw Jesus heal a man, a paralyzed man. He got up and walked. And, and more importantly, he saw Jesus forgive the man's sins. Perhaps Matthew is thinking, maybe he can forgive my, forgive my sins too. Because he was considered the scum of the universe. Maybe he can forgive me too. But again, notice the response from Matthew. I mean, if you, if you just imagine the scene, there he is sitting, doing his thing, and all of a sudden Jesus goes directly to him. Follow me. What did Jesus want Matthew to do? Could, Jesus, could, Matthew, could Matthew follow Jesus if he just stayed there, sitting down? No, no, friends. G- Jesus is calling Matthew to action. He had to get up. Matthew had to make a conscious decision to move. He couldn't just stay and follow Jesus. In the moment he, he stood up, the moment he took that step, he was on mission. He was on mission. But friends, it requires a step of faith. Yeah. So how about you? How about you? Is God calling you to, to get off the sidelines and get in with him in the mission of saving this world? Well, if he is, and if you acknowledge that, you got to get up. You can't stay there and think that everything is going to work out, that everything is going to fall on your lap. No, you have to get up. Make the conscious effort. Even if you feel uncomfortable, even if you feel you don't have what it takes. If Jesus is calling you, he must know something about you. So how do we live in mission? Let me share with you three things that that God will transform in your life as you join him in mission. Now notice verse 10. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. So let's look at these three things. The first thing that God will transform is how we use our resources. How we use our resources. You know, and, and you know, I, I think a lot, a lot of that is, is what a Sabbath school lesson, especially this week, was about. 
If you take inventory of the blessings that God has done for you, the things that he has given you, God has blessed me with many things. Things that we can use for mission. Now notice again, uh, Jesus makes the invitation. Follow me. And then right the next verse, now Matthew's having some kind of potluck with everybody. Matthew is using his resources. He's using everything here. He's using his resources. He's using his food, his house, to live in mission. And the truth can be, the, the, the same can be with us. The same thing can be with us. We should look at our finances, our possessions, not on how they can benefit us. Again, this is what we were, I was hearing in, in the Sabbath school lesson. Because that's what we think about. Well, listen, I got to make sure I got, I got enough retired. I got enough savings. And, and listen, there's room for that. We have to take care of our things. But friends, we need to look at and see what our, our resources are so we can use information. Because that's what God is, is trying to do through us. Don't think just about yourself. We begin to look at our finances and our possessions differently. How can I use them for mission? So he, he will transform how... We, we use our resources. That's the first thing. Then number two, God will transform how we see our relationships. Now, I am sure that before Jesus, uh, Matthew responded to the call of Jesus, I'm sure that Matthew had many potlucks with his tax collector friends. Because you think about it, all tax collectors were under the same umbrella. They were all the scum of the universe. All their friend, family had turned their backs on them. Friends did not want anything to do with them because they were tax collectors. So they only had each other. So they probably got together all the time and talked shop and, 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 and watched the football game and, and whatever. They were together, and so they did that a lot. But this is the first time that Matthew now invites religious people to this meeting, to this potluck. Now, have you... To be a fly on the wall. How did Matthew introduce these two groups? You got the tax collectors and sinners, and then you have Jesus and his disciples. How did he introduce them? Well, maybe he said, you know, today my sins were forgiven, and he can, he can forgive your sins too. And, and, and you wonder, what did they talk about? What was that conversation like between the two groups? And what did Matthew hope to accomplish here? I think that Matthew was faced with the reality that he was probably the best chance that his friends would ever have in meeting Jesus. And he refused to waste the opportunity. See, when we join God in mission, you begin to realize that none of your, of your friendships, of your acquaintances are a coincidence. None of them. God has placed them in your life for a reason. Now, if you really think about it, every single one of you, one person at some point in your life told you about God and Jesus, even if you were born in a church. Somebody told you about that. And, and right now, some of you are thinking, oh, yeah, I remember. And you, and you remember that person with fondness. That person uh, told me about God. That person started giving me Bible studies. That person invited me to a seminar. And this is why I'm here. You know, I think about, I told you about the two people that I, uh, that, that I, that I remember uh, are responsible for bringing me to Christ. My friend Santo, who I hang out, I used to hang out with him in his house, and he would turn every conversation into a spiritual one. And I would leave his house having to receive the Bible study. And then Mr. Akobi, 
a, a man who, who um, uh, you know, I used to hang out with his, with his son, so his son and I were friends, but he sort of adopted me. Because, you know, my family, you know, I was going to the Adventist church, so he was sort of backed up. You know, you go and do your thing. So this man sort of adopted me. He was like a second father for me. And I remember with fondness those two people. I remember them with love, these two people. And, and, and you can probably remember somebody in your life that did that. Well, think about it. You can become that person for somebody else. When, when somebody else remembers that person who brought them to Jesus, that person who invited them to church, that person who brought them to a Revelation seminar, they're going to think about you. They'll remember you with fondness. So are you uh, investing your time and your resources in yourself or, or in people that can pay you back? Or are you looking at something more eternal? Yeah. So here, uh, Jesus is eating with tax collectors and sinners. Not a, not, a, not a popular thing. So the Pharisees, this is verse 11, when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? They must have been blown away by seeing this. Because that was a big no-no. Because listen, my mom used to say, tell me who you're with and I'll tell you who you are. You're hanging out with those kind of people? That must mean that you're like them too. That, at least that's what the tax collectors are think, or the Pharisees are thinking. And this leads us to the third way God will transform us as we enter into mission. God will transform how we respond to ridicule. Yeah. Think about it. The, fire, the Pharisees were the rule keepers. They were kind of the cool kids in the school. And the tax collectors, well, they, they knew that they were at the bottom of the toting pole, but that didn't mean that they did not want to stay on the good side of the Pharisees, because again, they, these guys are the rule keepers. But one afternoon with Jesus changed everything. Some of you didn't get that. One afternoon with Jesus and everything changed. Have you experienced that? A time when you spend time with Jesus, everything changes. They didn't care anymore about the what the Pharisees thought because they were so busy uh, and, and celebrating their new friendship with Jesus. You know, my friends, you were not made to fit in. You were made to stand out. That's what it means when God calls us to holiness. Remember, holiness means uh, that God is setting us apart, that, 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 that he set us apart for something better to, to be used for a special purpose. You know, this is more true today than probably any time. You know, if, we, if you think about maybe several decades ago, some of you that can, you may remember that there was a time even in our country where, when to, to say that you're a Christian, well, people respected you and admired you. You're a Christian. That's not true anymore. To say you're a Christian today is to say that you're intolerant, that, that, that you're out of step with society, and that the problems with this world are because of you. But that's all right, because you're not made to fit in. You are made to stand out. When you're in mission, you are not looking for the approval of men. You're looking for the approval of God. So Paul, and he says this in Galatians 1.10, um, he asks the questions, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Am I trying to please people? 
If I were trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. So who are you trying to please? Jesus feigns all kinds of ridicules. And so if he did, you're his follower. It shouldn't surprise you that you're going to be ridiculed too. But that's okay. I was made, I was made to stand out. Jesus said the same thing here in Matthew chapter 5, um, the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, chapter 5, verses 10 and 11, he says, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when, you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Now for Matthew, maybe some of his tax collector buddies did not have any interest in Jesus. And maybe that stung a little bit. Let me tell you, I, I can relate. You know, I, I've conducted a, a, a evangelistic campaigns in several places over the years, and there are people who come and they listen, and, and, and maybe they think it's interesting, but when it, at the end of the day, they don't make a decision for Jesus. And that hurts at times. It stings a little bit. So I imagine that maybe that stung Matthew, but I want you to imagine if one of Matthew's friends stays behind after everybody leaves, the party is over, and he goes into Matthew and he says to Matthew, I want to have a relationship with Jesus. Imagine how awesome that was. Imagine how great that felt. And so some of you took the the little cards we gave yet last week, remember, you're supposed to write names of people that you want to see in the kingdom of heaven. Names that, that you want to pray for so when, you, when the time comes, you will invite them personally to the Discover and Revelation meetings. Now, some of them will come, some of them won't. And, and from those that come, maybe some of them will come and they'll fizzle out. They don't want to make a, a decision. But imagine if one of them. If one of them says to you, you know, I want a relationship with Jesus. I want to be part of this end time revenant movement. Imagine how awesome that will be. Imagine how great you will feel. And that person's going to remember you. Verse 12. So here the Pharisees are criticizing Jesus. Why are you eating with tax collectors and sinners? I'm hearing this. Jesus said, it's not a healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. What was the ministry or the mission of Jesus? To, to seek and say that it was lost. He was a spiritual doctor healing physically and spiritually wounded and sick people. Man, men like Matthew. A guy that was the scum of the universe. It's easy for us to say he was a scum of the universe, but look at us. But he came in to seek and to save you. He came to physically and spiritually heal you. That's what he came to do. And you think about it, if, how God used Matthew, because he got, up, he got up from his post and he followed Jesus. And look at the millions of people over the years since he wrote this gospel that have been blessed and have been saved on account of him. You have no idea the impact that God is going to have in and through you if you also get up. And follow Jesus. Now let me end today by showing you um, a movie clip. Some of you may have seen this movie. It's uh, uh, tied to Seventh-day Adventists. It's the story of Desmond Doss. It's Hacksaw Ridge. Now, if you haven't seen the movie, um, I recommend it. It's Desmond Doss, of course, this 
this Adventist young man who joined the army during World War II and became a conscientious objector because he, he would not carry a, a, a weapon, and he was subjected to ridicule. He was rejected. And as the war began, as they're fighting there, uh, uh, the, his battalion is pretty much left for dead on a ridge. And everybody else retreats except for this one medic. He stays behind. So let's look at, the, let's look at this clip now. Um, Lawrence.
have been called and made for mission. What if every one of us had that attitude? Lord, just give me one more. The size of the church would double in an instant. Our pers- the perspective would change. The world would be impacted. So this is what we're going to continue talking about for the rest of the month. But I want to challenge you today. Because just like Jesus told, uh, approached Matthew and he went directly to him as he was sitting there and, and, and he simply said, follow me. And Matthew didn't sit there and think about it. Let me get back to you, Lord. I got I to talk to my family. I got to talk to the wife. I got to get my affairs in order. Uh, uh, I'm too busy right now. I got the kids in school. Oh, Lord, I, I, I just don't know how. I, I don't have what it takes. He didn't say none of that. He just simply got up and followed. And so I want you to put yourself today in Matthew's place and think, imagine that Jesus is walking right toward you right now, doing the same thing. He's whispering in your ear, Mary, follow me. Nathan, follow me. Daniel, follow me. Quabina, follow me. Nathan, follow me. What are you going to do? Are you going to continue sitting there? What are you going to do? All right. Well, get up. And follow him. Mary, he's telling you, follow me. What are you going to do? Stand up. Get up and follow him. Zilla, he's telling you, follow me. David, he's telling you, follow me. Darwin, he's telling you, follow me. Huh? Come on, stand up and follow him. This is what I'm asking you to do because Matthew got up and followed me. You're still sitting there. Well, get up. Follow me. Now, if you want to sit there, that's fine. But you can't follow Jesus if you're sitting there. you got to get up. There's action required. Follow me. God is going to do some great things in and through you, but you have to be willing to do it. You have to be willing to be used by him. You have to be willing to be that hacksaw rich guy, that Desmond Doss that did everything to rescue one. Friends, there are people dying around this in this community, and we are the light of this, this community, but we got to get up. No matter how busy you are, no matter how, how, how incapable you may feel, God's going to equip you, but you got to be willing. And if you're willing, he's going to do great things through you, but are you willing? Follow me, he says. We have... Uh, There there are countless people perishing. And it's time to rescue the perishing. God wants to rescue the perishing through you. Thanks for joining us. If you're ever in the Nashville area, come and visit us at the Nashville First Seventh-day Adventist Church. We're located at 2800 Blair Boulevard in Nashville, Tennessee. You may also visit us at nfsda.org.